You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So could we bow our heads together and um, ask God for His blessings and for Him to speak today to us? Father, we're, we're so grateful that you are about restoration. It, it humbles us and, and at the same time overwhelms us to think that you choose to bring your kingdom work about through us. We feel inadequate. We feel unworthy. So this morning, Lord, we open our hearts to you and we ask you to speak to us about that very issue. And so help us just to say in this moment, Lord, my heart is open. I want to hear today what you want to say to me. Whatever it is, I will receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a guy who is a good friend to me. His name is Mike. And we were playing golf this last week together. And he said, I've been meaning to ask you something. Um, he said, how, how long does it take you to prepare to preach an average sermon? I said, so you think my sermons are average, Mike? <laughs> said, no, 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 that's not what, no, no, I heard it, but I didn't mean. So, <clears throat> so this morning I'm going to try not to preach an average sermon, okay? We, we've been talking for months about wanting to become a church a group of people who are passionate about connecting others with Jesus. Because of the hope that Jesus has brought to me, I want other people to know the hope of Jesus. Because of the life that Jesus has given me, I want other people to have the kind of life that Jesus can give. And so in these last three weeks, we've been asking pretty pointed question. When Jesus said, follow me, what did he mean by that? If you want to be my disciple, take up your cross, Jesus says, and follow me. And so we've asked, what does it look like um, to follow Jesus? And, and what we've learned is Jesus is really saying, Live your life as, as I lived life. Serve as I served. Pray as I prayed. Love as I loved. Give as I gave. And we've been saying for years, the essence of holiness is Christ-likeness. I, I grew up in a church where I sung an old, an old song that said, I have one deep supreme desire. I want to be like Jesus. And so we said, what does it mean to follow Jesus in our relationship with the Father? And we open the Word and we just see Jesus praying prayers like, God, 
glorify yourself through my life. It's not what I want, God, but it's what you want. It's not my will, but your will. My life is not about me. It's, it's what you want to do through me. We've been praying this beautiful prayer of John Wesley together, his covenant prayer that really just says, Lord, take my life. It's yours. Do with me whatever you want to do with me. And then last week we said, what does it mean to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus in our relationships with believers, people in the community of faith? To serve, to love, to give, to pray, to invest. But, but last week we learned it, it's also about opening ourselves up and saying to somebody, I, I need you in my life. In Jesus' darkest hour in the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes his disciples with them. And he says, stay, wait, don't, don't leave. I need you. And if in Jesus' darkest hour he needed his friends, people of faith, the fact of the matter is, in our darkest hour, we need our friends and our fellow brothers and sisters in faith as well. And, and we kind of said, could it be that it's Christ-like <laughs> to accept the love and the presence of a Christian brother and sister? When, when we think about Jesus, we, we, we remember that he was nicknamed a friend of sinners. He, he hung around sinful people. He ate with them. He went to their homes. And he was criticized for it. And so today I want us to think about what, what is it like to become like Christ in our relationships with others? What, is that, what does that look like? So here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that as we seek to talk about Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, hope, and life, that there are forces who will oppose us in every way they can. As we seek to talk about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and peace and hope and the life that he brings, there are forces that will try to oppose us as we desire to talk about Jesus to people. Let me, let me give you an example, okay, in the book of Acts chapter 4. You want to open a Bible with me? Acts chapter 4. We find Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem to the disciples, but wait for what? This might be a participation part of the sermon. So don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the Holy Spirit, the gift the Father's promised you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to become what? Witnesses. Witnesses. Very good. And so in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. They are filled with the Holy Spirit and they become witnesses. Peter gets up, who was once afraid for his life. And denied even knowing Christ now speaks with great boldness about Jesus. Thousands of people come to know Jesus because of it. 3,000 are added to the number that day. When you get to chapter 3 of the book of Acts, Peter and John are walking up to a temple one day and there's a man who is lame. He's begging for money because that was the only way in that society that he could support himself. He's asking for money and Peter says, I don't have any money to give you. Silver and gold, I don't have... But what I do have, I will give you. And he says, stand up and walk. And he takes him by the right hand. And the man rises to his feet and he walks. And then Peter speaks to the onlookers with great boldness again. Because he is filled with the Spirit. And now he is a witness for Jesus. 
The Sanhedrin, the highest Jewish ruling council, becomes very concerned, brings them in for questioning. And here's what they say to them before they release them. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Stop it. And Peter and John says, we can't help it. You don't understand. This is a passion that we have. We cannot stop doing this. We will never be able to shut this down. We can't help but tell about what we have seen and heard. And so they they live their lives with this passion to connect other people to Christ. I want you to know Jesus like I know Jesus. I want you to experience the life that Jesus gives like he's given me life. And so I can't help but tell people about Jesus. That, that, was, that, was their, that was their way of life. And so what, what Luke does is he tells the story in chapter 4, verse 23. He says, on their release, okay, so they let them go. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And so when they heard this, what do you think they did? They prayed. They raised their voices together. Together is a very good word. In prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then they quote Psalm 2 in their prayer. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Really meaning just emptiness, nothing to no avail, nothing happens, it's all in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. They said, we believe David was being prophetic when he said those words. And he says, then we saw it happen. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against the holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. David said it would happen, and we watched it happen. And now it's happening to us. He says, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. It's his way of saying, the devil is loose, but he is on a leash. God is sovereign. And, and then they pray. These words. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. (laughs) They've told us that we can't talk about Jesus anymore. They've told us what they're going to do to us if we do. So now, Lord, here's our prayer. Consider the threats of these people and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. We're not backing down. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We want them to know the truth of Jesus. And after they prayed, God said, I'm here. That's not really what it says. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It was God's way of saying, I'm here. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit like a refreshing infilling. And they spoke the word of God boldly. This is God's word for us today. Amen. My brother-in-law, Ronnie, was uh, pretty young when we learned he had heart failure. And he continued to get worse and worse. And the, the, the word for years was that he would only live a little while longer. He died when he was 52, just a year younger than I am now. 
And I remember one day I was home visiting my family and we had stayed a couple of days and it was really nice, kind of a cool fall day. And he didn't have much energy. He couldn't really walk from a car to a parking lot very well. But he said, you want to play golf? Uh, wh- why don't we go out and I'll drive the cart? And he lived by a golf course. Well, you can play golf. I-, I, might, I might hit a couple of balls if I feel like I got the energy. So I've been praying for Ronnie for a while. And, and we had not talked about his journey with God. And, and I wanted to have this conversation. I wanted to be this witness for Jesus to him. And frankly, I was concerned that he wasn't going to live much longer. And so we're, we're playing golf and, and, and I'm <clears throat> getting more nervous as we continue to play. And I can just feel my heart beating and, and I'm wanting to talk to Ronnie about Jesus and I'm trying to find the right words and I'm trying to find the right time and, and, and I'm trying to focus on hitting a golf ball. And he only got out of the cart maybe twice and hit a shot and just said, I think I'm done. And so he's just riding, driving for me. And, and finally, I, I engage in this conversation about where he is in his journey with God and that I love him and that I want him to know that he knows Jesus. In, in my mind, that should have been this easy, free-flowing conversation that just says, hey man, you know I love you so much and I've been praying for you and... But it wasn't easy. It was maybe the most difficult conversation I've ever tried to have in my life. I felt like all the forces of evil got in between us and they were raising their hands, waving, saying, don't have this conversation. I felt incredible opposition. So before I leave, I'll give you good news that about a year before he died, he assured my mom that he was forgiven of his sin and he was seeking to follow Jesus with his life but that day I didn't feel like I made any progress why is it so hard I, I, I think when we talk about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and life and hope and peace that he brings I believe that there are always Forces of evil working against us. And that's what we find here in the book of Acts. And so Peter and John are released after they've been warned. You should never talk about Jesus again. And they get together with all of their other believing friends, which is maybe step number one, very important. We don't face opposition alone. And they prayed together. And so together we come to God in prayer. Lord, you, you made everything. You made the heavens and you made the earth and you made the seas and you made everything in them. They reminded themselves of who God is. And then they begin to think about the promises of God when they quote Psalm 2. The nations are rage and the peoples are plotting in vain and the kings and the rulers band together to come against your anointed one. Psalm 2 is really a messianic psalm. It is a sign of the kingdom of God coming to earth. It is God bringing peace to earth through his anointed king. And they reminded themselves that God has promised that one day things will be different. The kingdom of God will come to earth. So they get together with one another. They don't face opposition alone. They pray. 
And they remind themselves of who God is, His great power, and the promises that He has made. He is reclaiming, He is restoring, He is redeeming this world. So that was, that was their opposition. We, we, we can read this and we say, okay, we understand the opposition they're facing. And so then, then they pray. They, they don't pray, God, please protect us and keep us safe and don't let anything happen to any of us, Lord. They, they don't pray that way. They, they don't even pray a prayer that says, uh, Lord, would you turn their hearts and would you make it easy for us to advance your gospel? They don't pray that way. I say, Lord, if there's going to be a weakness in this whole process, it's going to be with us. And so do not let us step back. Enable your servants to speak the word with boldness. That's what we want. And so they get together, right? And they pray. And they remind themselves of who God is and His promises. And they ask God for boldness to speak the word. And give us signs so people will believe. That's what we're asking you for. And, and what I see is a group of people becoming like Christ. I, I don't ever remember Jesus biting his fingernails and not saying what he wanted to say out of fear because of what the religious leaders might think about him. I never saw Jesus doing this kind of thing. And I never saw Jesus in the Word bite his tongue and not say something because he was afraid of what might happen to him. Jesus was very straightforward with truth and boldly he spoke the word. And now I see his followers saying, we want to be like Jesus. I've been, I've been asking the Lord for some time about, about introducing you to someone. And, 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 and today is a, a, a great day to do this. And so, Damien, I want you to, to come up, okay? And if you don't mind, uh, as Damien comes up, I just want you to welcome a young man whose name is Damien Santa Maria, Okay. To, uh, to join us this morning. So Damien has, has quite a story. And, and a few months ago, he was baptized here in second service on Sunday morning. And it was, it was a powerful event. And, and I felt bad that everybody in first service did not get to, to hear from Damien that morning. And, and also, Damien has become a, a witness for Jesus. And I want him to talk some about that. But, but God has done amazing okay. transformation in your life. Yes. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about what God has done for you? Yes. Um, well, my name is Damien. I am a grateful, grateful be- believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I have suffered through a lot of things, um, drug addiction, alcoholism, sexual abuse, a lot of darkness and through Christ, I found healing. I found forgiveness, acceptance, and a, a new purpose in life. I'm here today because I'm here to praise God and what He's done in my life. My whole life, I thought I was in charge of writing my story, but this is really a God story. Um, Part of, part of God working powerfully in your life was, uh, was bringing you to Bethany, Oklahoma, of all places. 
Yes. <laughs> um, you want to talk about how you got here? Yeah, actually, I'm from California, and I've been a baseball player my whole life. And during my uh, second year of junior college baseball, I got hurt, and a lot of uh, opportunities to play baseball were kind of uh, taken away. So everything was up in the air until I received a phone call from the coach at Southern Nazarene. And I accepted to come over the phone. I didn't visit. I've never heard of Bethany, Oklahoma. <laughs> I even looked it up on the internet, and it was just a little grass field. <laughs> and I called back, and I told the coach, I'm coming. And I showed up, and I would tell people, I'm just here to play baseball. But really, God had really big plans for me. You, you, were, you were struck by the community that you found. It was different than what you had been used to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a definitely culture shock. Um, I couldn't wait to get back home. Uh, I just wanted to finish school and move on with baseball. But today, I, I get so excited coming to BFC. I get... <laughs> so much joy just walking through the campus and I'm scratching and trying to hang on to stay staying connected and I just I just want to follow God's will now so so when you came uh, the Lord put some people in your life and you and you found a faith community um, can you talk a little bit about that community you found and, and who God put in your life and what he used to help you find him. Yes. Um, so when I, I transferred to SNU, I was hiding a lot of my past. And slowly, this past kept coming up. I was making life choices that um, I had to face the consequences. And through those consequences... People at SNU, um, my coaches, um, teammates, they all gathered in order for me to find a better path. And I call all those divine appointments because they have been guides to uh, find a new path. Um, I found my relationship with Christ through Celebrate Recovery. And there I just... I was so broken. I was lost, and I kept sharing. I kept showing up, and little by little, I've been just finding healing, connecting with brothers and sisters in Christ, and opportunities just keep arising, and, and they, they fulfill me. I keep saying yes because I, I want to be a servant. The first time that I heard, heard your story was at a, at a CR 12-step uh, graduation. And Mark Vitridis said, I want you to come and I want you to hear the stories of these men that are going to share God's transformation. <laughs> and I heard Damien's story, maybe 20 minutes or so. You, you shared all of your story. And, and since then, uh, you've had many opportunities to do what we're talking about now, and that is witnessing. Yes. And talking to people about Jesus. And you've been doing it privately and publicly and so on and so forth. Um, 
But but that morning you talked here when you were baptized, and it was the, the power of God was so present that morning. And then and then we've heard, um, you know, about you going to the Native American reservation. Yes. So you got to share your testimony there. What was that like? Um, well, it was my first mission trip um, in June, and I really didn't know what to expect. I felt like it was the right time and that I was prepared. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but there was some amazing moments where I had the opportunity to share my testimony. Um, and I had shared, like you said, in, in groups in CR with the baseball team and in other churches. But uh, I had the opportunity to go to a church in Gallup, New Mexico. And the pastor de- there, her name is Pastor Chris. Every Wednesday, she drives a van and picks up homeless um, men and women and brings them to the church to feed them. And that day, a group of maybe 10 or so on the mission trip, we traveled and we fed the homeless and before uh, I shared my testimony and for the first time I really felt like the enemy was present he was sort of challenging me and telling me not to do it but with the group in prayer and with the Holy Spirit I was able to share in one of the toughest environments that I've had to and and I saw, I saw how the Holy Spirit could really work. I saw people crying. I saw a man get on his knees and ask for prayer. I saw others hugging me and telling me they saw hope. And I also saw, saw how Addiction and alcoholism is very rampant in the area and there was people there that weren't prepared for what I had to say and I understood I, I've been in that position before but I, I was there to tell somebody about Jesus and, and I was very grateful I connected and um, there are so many new experiences at the Navajo Reservation I had never felt what I felt leaving the area the last day Um, in the van um, coming back home um, I didn't feel like I should be leaving um, because I really experienced what it's like to be a servant in God's kingdom and to help others that have been overlooked and and really, I, I was saying yes to everything that God was asking me to do, and I felt so filled. So when we were leaving, I, I was willing to stay if, I, if I, w- I could. But then I realized every day there's an opportunity. Every moment there's a person to talk to. It doesn't matter where I am. But my, my heart really belongs to the Navajo. 
Damien is uh, bilingual. He speaks Spanish as well, mm -hmm. and uh, has recently been sharing his testimony in Spanish. Mm -hmm. One of the most moving um, sharings that you were able to give was to your own family, <laughs> your mom and your dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, before I shared a full testimony at CR here, I wanted to make sure my parents understood every single part of it. So I had to translate it in Spanish, and I shared it with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and it was, it was tough to get it all out. Um, there was parts of my life that I've never shared. Um, but to see my parents just embrace me and cry together, um, it was so, it was a healing process. And to see my father pray for me afterwards, um, he asked, more like he told me, do not keep this a secret, keep sharing this. So whenever the opportunity comes, I don't hesitate to say yes. I've asked Damien, why are you so quick? And, and uh, a lot of people come to Jesus, not many people... Uh, talk about Jesus as much as you do. Um, why, why do you? And he says, it's, it's too good not to share with people. It's, uh, it's too good to keep to myself. Yeah. Well, you have anything else you want to say? I, I'm so grateful for you talking to us today. <laughs> um, I have a lot to say, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> um, one of the things that I want to make clear is that uh, God has been the author of this story all along. No matter how many bad choices I've made or hard, how dark my life had become, He has been there. And in my rock bottom, I found Christ. And that's where I have planted my foundation. And life still happens Everything isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. I still struggle daily. And I need accountability. And I've realized that everyone has their own testimony. And it may not sound like mine, but everyone's testimony has a purpose to help another. And we all are brothers and sisters in Christ. So I encourage you to to, to share with a small group, with one-on-one, -on -one, it's not, um, I found so much freedom to just let all that out. Thank you so much, Damien. Aren't you Thank grateful? So Luke says, after, after they prayed, the place was shaken. Um, in Scripture, that, that is a sign of God making His presence known. And God was just saying, I'm here. I know what you're facing. I know what you're asking for. And I want you to know I'm with you. And then Luke says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, a fresh infilling.
power to be witnesses. I, I, I think as I read the story, here's, here's, here's what I understand. I understand what their opposition is. I think the question we have to answer today is we think about becoming like Jesus in, in our relationships with others. Jesus was this friend of sinners. What, what, what is our opposition? Is it that we've bought into the culture and said, well, you know, who am I really to talk to somebody about their faith? That's such a personal thing. Is is it that we don't feel adequate? I don't know enough scripture to talk to people about Jesus or to witness or to share my faith. Do you feel like, Rick, my world changed. There was a day when everybody kind of agreed that, you know, the Bible was truth. Not so anymore. This postmodern world has a total different understanding about what is true. It's hard. What's your opposition? What, what is trying to keep you? Would you say, I, I, I don't have passion for it? You talk about being passionate. I'm, I'm not passionate. I, uh, I don't think about it. I think about a lot of stuff. I think a lot about a lot of stuff, but I don't think about that. We, we, we have become people who struggle to listen closely to the words of Jesus. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And we, we just kind of, we're just living, living life with all this world just throws at us and offers us. And two weeks from today, we're, we're all kind of all back at school and life kind of settles down and I'm going to start talking about this very, very thing, and we're calling it a simple challenge. Not asking you to add more to your life. You don't need any more added. I'm going to ask you to think about taking some things away where where you can focus on Jesus. It's a matter of managing your own life so you can go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You know, Damien met somebody that changed his life. And he can't keep quiet about it. You know. I just kind of took a deep breath and let it out. And Tim, Marshall, Mar- Tim Mosshart told me last night over dinner, he said, I always know when you're done. You take a deep breath and you let it out. So, Tim, I think I'm done. I want, I want you to stand with me. I, I felt this morning very challenged by the Lord as I was praying for Damien today and praying for the service that God seemed to be saying, don't, don't, don't put me in a box, okay? I know you've got a sermon, but I may want to say some other things through Damien. And so we're going to sing before we go. And, and I'm going to invite you to a, to a time to pray. You, you can pray where you are. God hears you from there. You can also feel the freedom to come to an altar and pray. If, if this is new to you, an altar is a place where you simply pray. 
sometimes where you make sacrifices. Um, it doesn't mean you become a member of this local church or anything like that. It's, it's a place to talk to God. It's a place to pray. And, and I've got to believe that as Damien shared his story a minute ago, there, there's got to be people in this room who says, I am bound by something like Damien was. And, and it may not be a substance, but it may be. But there may be an addiction in your life that you're fighting. And, you, and you're listening to Damien and you're saying, if, if Jesus can set him free, then maybe Jesus can set me free. I think there may be others saying if if Jesus can make Damien a bold witness then maybe Jesus can make me a bold witness and so why don't we just take a little time here before we go to pray okay Harlan will lead us in a song together and if you want to come and pray feel free to do that If you want to come to know Jesus this morning as your personal Savior, if you want to ask Him to change who you are, if you want to be born again, that grace is being offered right here today. So feel free to come for any reason. Or if you're struggling and your family is struggling and you need to pray, feel free to come. There'll be pastors here to pray with you. If you're sick and you want to be anointed with oil, you can come and pray, okay? We're just going to spend some time together before we go. We're going to pray.
So I'll just I'll just remind you of these words as as you leave. When you when you feel opposition as you witness, come together. Don't stand alone against the opposition. Pray together. Remind yourself of who God is and his promises to reclaim what has been lost. Pray for boldness. Know that God is with you and you will work in the power and witness and the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God's word for us today. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.